the game of billiards, or pool, dates back as early as the 14th century, an outdoor game at its birth that eventually moved indoors and onto tables topped with green cloth meant to mimic its outdoor origins. Over the centuries, since the game's uncertain beginnings, it had gained and lost popularity. Pool tables had been brought into the heights of upper-class society, George Washington brought one into the White House, as well as the smoky, rough-and-tumble halls of the common man. The nickname pool is derived from the pool of money that players would gamble over the game itself. The close-knit relationship with drinking and gambling made it the perfect outlet for Walter Tevis's first published novel, The Hustler. By 1959, the year The Hustler was published, pool was far from its peak popularity. However, Tevis, a novelist from San Francisco, found it to be an excellent outlet for his own life. An alcoholic and heavy gambler, the game of billiards was the perfect backdrop to use as a peek into the hard lives of those that lived hard. The novel had been optioned several times, notably by Frank Sinatra, but production never got off the ground in any adaptation. That is, until Robert Rawson, the Oscar-nominated writer and director of the Best Picture-winning film All the King's Men, and a former pool hustler himself, took on the project after making his own failed attempt at a pool-based screenplay. Featuring an all-star cast led by Paul Newman, the 1961 film adaptation of Tevis's novel went on to be a commercial and critical success, winning two Oscars for Cinematography Black and White and Art Direction, along with seven further nominations for Writing, Directing, Picture, and four acting nominations. The film went on to gross $7.6 million on a $2.1 million budget. The Hustler featured performances from numerous recognizable faces and names of the time, most notably George C. Scott, Jackie Gleason, Piper Laurie, and Jake LaMotta in his second on-screen credit. The Hustler went on to become a cultural sensation that managed to revitalize the public's waning interest in pool, sparking the opening of new halls all across the nation during the 1960s. Despite all of the accolades and new public engagement with the sport, there was no movement to expand on the success found within the film. The novel was a standalone book, and it seemed as though no sequel would be on its way without the author beginning the movement on his own accord. Flash forward 23 years. In 1984, 25 years after the first novel had been published, Tevis released a follow-up book to his original work entitled The Color of Money. Upon reading the sequel, the original film's star immediately sought out to have it made. Newman sent a copy to a director that had recently impressed him with a film about the life of one of his fellow The Hustler actors, Jake LaMotta. That man was, of course, Martin Scorsese. Scorsese, along with the production company Touchstone Pictures, brought in the novelist and first-time screenwriter Richard Price to make several key changes to the story that Scorsese thought would be better suited for film. Such changes allowed them to cast a young star to play opposite Paul Newman as the next generation of hustlers taking over pool halls. Taking on this project directly after rapping on Top Gun, Tom Cruise was brought in to play the new hotshot hustler and Mary Elizabeth Mastro Antonio as his quick-witted and savvy handler and lover. Although it was a passion project for Newman, who had so enjoyed his time making the original and having been critically praised for his performance, Scorsese was far more reluctant. 
Eventually, he relented after the ever-charming leading man swayed him to tackle what would be the only sequel Sorsese ever made, a fact which is still true to this day. Bringing with him not just fresh faces for this project, Scorsese also injected new filmmaking techniques and a modern score to his attempt at continuing the saga of Fast Eddie Felsen in this impassioned return to the pool halls 25 years in the making. Welcome to the follow-up. All right, so uh, we are here today, as uh, as can be seen and as we have, you know, introduced ourselves to be talking about the uh, 1986 film, The Color of Money. Um, It is like the film that we just finished discussing. um, Teen Wolf 2, geez, wow, already completely out of my head. Uh, It is not a film that was meant to have a sequel because the only reason this sequel exists is because a novel sequel published 25 years after the novel was published so it's it's an interesting return and then to compound upon that to make it palatable for Scorsese to undertake he made so many changes to the novel I was about to say novelization but it's not a novelization made so many changes to the novel The Color Money for screenwriting purposes so that it could function as a standalone project in the novel, The Color of Money, it is a return not just for Fassetti Felsen, but it's also a return for Minnesota Fats, who was a key figure in the original film, The Hustler. And it's kind of a literal continuation of that dynamic between those those two guys. Hmm. So in order to make this, again, a little bit more palatable as a sequel, but that it's not a sequel, something that can function by its own, uh, that's why we get Tom Cruise and Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio. <laughs> Kella's laughing because I, I thoroughly enjoy saying that name. <laughs> so, uh, I guess give me give me some first impressions of the film. I loved it, and I think my original instinct was when watching this movie is like, oh my gosh, I wonder what Minnesota Fats is up to. I wonder what Charlie's up to and all these other, these other big time characters from the first movie. But I'm actually really glad um, with the direction that it went. It was, I was like captivated the entire time. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I also, it was one of those films where I, most of the time, like I kind of knew where it was going. You're like, oh, okay. Like, Eventually, the towards the end, it was like this: the student and the teacher are going to face off. But I even found myself getting like, I don't know, kind of like taken aback by the twists of it um, at the end there. And, and not to like spoil the end before we start, but like just the um, I was surprised where the dynamic went between Tom Cruise and Paul Newman. But it was like both of those guys are absolutely, you're drawn to them when they're on screen. Um, not just because of their amazing looks, but they're just so, so talented. Oh my God. Like they stole every scene they were in. And when they were in scenes together, it was like the energy. And then what's that woman's name? The Mary woman Elizabeth Master Antonio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was just, I don't know. I, I, like I said, I can't say enough good things about this film and we'll get into the details, but I thoroughly enjoyed this and was so glad it was a sequel that I would honestly love a third movie. 
Yeah, it's um. Well, f- first of all, I don't know about you, but for me, Paul Newman stole every scene from Tom Cruise. Every scene the two of them were in together. Like, I understand we're supposed to be looking at Tom Cruise, and this film comes out at, like, the same time as Top Gun. Yeah. Right? So, so Tom Cruise is very much so, like, hitting his stride here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Tom Cruise looks like a fucking loser <laughs> compared to how fucking sexy, like, 97-year-old Paul Newman <laughs> he's is. He's not 97. I, he's I know. A, he's a cool, suave, older gentleman. Um, But I also think that that's why... It works because, you know, you think this young hotshot kid is going to, you know, upstage this this older man. And you're kind of right in every scene. He's like, uh, no, kid, I, I know who you are. I've been who you are. And I can do it 10 times better than you still, um, which I think really plays into the reason that Tom Cruise's character is so cocky and so hard to get through is that he's like, he knows that he's good. He knows that he's good looking. Like he he understands the the part he plays, and yet still, I feel like he knows he's falling short to Paul Newman's well, character. This is what's interesting about the the differences between the two films. So in in the original, um, the Hustler, <laughs> uh, you know, Paul Newman, yeah, he has. The the talent, the looks don't really come into play in the original since it's kind of, I mean, a little bit with his relationship with Piper Laurie, but like outside of that, there's no. That's actually a good point. It doesn't even come up in The Color of Money as well. Uh, it comes up a little bit, some of the looks stuff, like more more about his youth than anything else, like the point of him wearing the Vince shirt and like that type of stuff. But really the idea being that in this movie, at the start of it, Tom Cruise is a much more naive person. He has the talent. He has this charm. He, you know, he he's he's got this drive just to play. Like there's a love of the game that's there. You know, which we see right when we meet him in his face off against John Turturro, a very young John Turturro. Um, this is like three years before Do the Right Thing, John Turturro, um, and. When Newman is trying to go through the hustling aspects of being a a pool shark, Cruz is like not getting it. At various stages, it doesn't seem like he wants to get it. Like they're almost in opposite respects. In the beginning of The Hustler, Newman is a very good hustler. We meet him hustling, Mm. right? Like, him and his guy, uh, Charlie, are about to perform a hustle in the beginning of the movie. In the beginning of this film, and, and sorry, and, and then just to expand, Paul Newman's journey in The Hustler is not to become a hustler, really. It's to become a legend, right? That's his transformation. Is It's not about winning games against Minnesota Fats. It's about beating the idea of the man of Minnesota fats. I like he he beats him financially. He wins, which therefore means he won most of his games against him. That's not enough. I need to be the next Minnesota fats. Like I need to be the legend that is this great pool player. And it seems 
like they're almost kind like Vince Tom Cruise's character is also seeking out being the best but has no interest in the money part of it or no real concept of it and Paul Newman has to keep reminding him throughout the film like kid this is a job essentially like like there's skill to this and even though it's going towards the like I want to be the best there's it loses some of the air of like legend to it because because <laughs> they're doing it legally you know it's like let's go down to Atlantic City and join a tournament whereas in the hustler it's like I'm gonna go to Ames's and sit here till 8 p.m. and then do a 25-hour marathon against a man who calls himself Minnesota Fats in what I think is just Pittsburgh uh, and, like, see who makes out. Uh, it's, it's a very different anti-hero's journey because it also, therefore, removes a lot of the, like, drug parts of it. You know what I mean? Like, like there's... You don't see Vince battling his alcoholism like Paul Newman did. You don't really see him struggle the same way with his love interest, the way Newman did in the original. You know, there's the journeys are extremely different. Yeah, and I think also, like, the definition of being a legend kind of differs. I mean, because, like, in... The Hustler, the best of the best, is Minnesota Fats. And the way that Minnesota Fats conducts himself is like this just like, he knows he's good, he's not cocky, but he's just very confident in his... Uh, Jackie Gleason has maybe eight lines of dialogue in that movie. Yeah, but he's just <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, the who was describing, I think it was Charlie when he was coming to the apartment, the uh, Paul Newman's girl's apartment, to talk to him. He was saying like, you know, the guy just, after a few rounds... Went to the bathroom, uh, washed his hands, combed his hair, came out and was, was cool as ice, ready to play another couple of rounds. Like, the point was he was cleaned up and he was presentable the whole time. And where was Paul Newman's character just increasingly, you know, slipping further into his alcoholism and getting drunk and getting more worked up? So there's like a level of composure that is needed to be the best, which we also see in The Color of Money, Tom Cruise completely lacking and... Even right when you think he's he gets it, all it takes is for somebody to be like, just shit talk him just a little bit, like just even just a little bit, like before he like before when he was started to like defy all of kind of Paul Newman's system and didn't really like understand the hustle. He was very like, how do I put this? Like, just easily dysregulated and like easily worked up, which yeah. ultimately like like Paul Newman's character said, like left money on the table. Um, cause, cause for Tom Cruise, when he was at, I think it was Ames's, right. Or one they of never them. went to, Ames. they went to Chalkies. Maybe it was Chalkies. I, I can't keep That's track. the only, the only yeah. two clubs of name in either movie is Ames's in the first one, Chalkies in the second one. Okay. It was Chalkies when, um, you know, he, he beat everybody in there and then like messed up his, his shot at getting like all the money. Um, Tom Cruise was like, "What do you mean? Like, I went in there and I was the best. I I, I, I made hundred sixty dollars. And he and uh, what was it? Paul Newman was like, hundred sixty dollars. You could you can't even get one shoe for hundred sixty. You walk into a shoe store, you come out with one shoe. Right. Yeah. Um, and he's just so like 
oh my gosh and because we've seen the hustler we had that added like context and you just want to shake tom cruise and be like you fucking idiot like listen to this man and that is one of the weird parts about this movie from the time perspective too because when paul newman and jackie gleason start playing pool at like the beginning of their night yeah they're playing for a hundred dollars a game a hundred dollars a rack as one would say and john turturro and uh tom cruise are playing for twenty dollars a rack yeah small small five years later yeah and then even when it gets to some of like the bigger stuff i i mean they're still they're still like maxing out at like a hundred dollars a rack whereas by the end of the night on the first go around with minnesota fats paul newman and jackie gleason are going a thousand dollars a rack which yeah. like the scale of things was a little bit odd because you'd assume with you know the rapid inflation of the 70s that we'd be playing for a lot more than that but again it it, it is and part of it is because it is like smaller in scope and we're starting on the outside of the hustling community working our way inside. The other part that I appreciated about The Color of Money was that Tom Cruise like just added to his ignorance that he didn't even really have an appreciation or an understanding of who Paul, of who Fast Eddie Felsen was. There was never a scene where Tom Cruise was like, you're Fast Eddie Felsen, you know what I mean? And that never happened throughout the movie, even when he would go into these clubs and like, you know, the the um, the owner of that, of Chalkies was like, oh, Fast Eddie, of course, we'll leave a table for Fast Eddie, all this stuff. Like, it just rolled right off of Tom Cruise's back, it seemed, which I think added to the, his ignorance of following you know, Paul Newman's advice and instruction. Like he wasn't, I don't think he respected him necessarily as, as the legend he was, but ended up more so respecting him as someone who was giving him special attention that he never had before in his life. It seemed honestly, Tom Cruise is the least interesting part of this movie because Mary Elizabeth master Antonio was so much her character was so much more engaged with what Paul Newman was saying because like it yeah. felt like every scene with Newman and uh Cruz together Cruz was like hey I'm a big fucking idiot and Paul Newman was like why are you such a big fucking idiot and Master Antonio was like I get it <laughs> like hi hi I I got it like yeah I, I can be it's really she's the and then by the end of the movie Tom Cruise gets a, like a moment where he's like no I'm a hustler now too but it really feels <laughs> like the journey is like you know Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio becoming the next hustler yeah uh, yeah 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 I think Carmen's character had a lot of dimension because you also you also understood where she came from and maybe that's why she understands like you you kind of get this background from her that she's been with you know kind of a rough crowd she's been around the block so to speak like she has a very like she she doesn't have a naive understanding of what the world is like tom cruise does the film takes a few deviations uh one at the start there's a scene of voiceover that explains what nine ball is to the crowd listening which is interesting voiceover not uh a technique used at all in the original film and additionally the idea of nine ball the idea that not just this is a separate story, but that the time between the two films has led into a progression 
in the way that people play this game, at least on a competitive level, right? This idea that the game has gotten faster in some respect, or it at least made some substantive change, is also an interesting kind of dichotomy between the two. It makes, one, it makes it feel a little bit more modernized, much the same way that I believe around the 80s, 90s cricket had gone through several fluctuations as well, going from the multi-day event of England's pastime to becoming a more streamlined 60, 120-minute matchup in, uh, that gets that that got popularized in India and went on to become really what is now the far more mainstream version of cricket. And so I, I think to incorporate some level of that change in this film as well is also an apt choice. How did you feel about them changing the game to something that is meant to feel quicker and more streamlined? Did that help affect you at all while watching this movie versus its original counterpart? Well, from a gambling perspective, it seemed like the stakes... The ch- I don't know if they were higher or lower. The stakes changed. That actually... Yeah, that's a good point. That might explain why we're scratching our heads at the $20 versus $100. I didn't think about that. Yeah, and and also you think about like when in the montage in The Hustler, when um, Minnesota Fats and Fast Eddie Felsen are playing this game, it's like this montage of just like practically an entire night, like just so many hours going by. Um, just it's it's so much more calculated, whereas um, I don't know, in nine ball, it's like, you know, I could lose seven games in a matter of 10 minutes and, you know, and then still have the rest of the night to keep playing. It's just, it's more of like the, the, the slot machine equivalent of, of gambling as opposed to like, I don't know, like a slower kind of play. Yeah. And I, I think that they focus a little bit less on the game of pool than they did in the original, which maybe that's as a result of changing the game. Cause in the original, like, you know, there's this very interesting scene where like, you know, this is like small moment where, uh, Minnesota and, and Newman are each just taking passes. You know, they're, they're, they're making contact with the ball and declaring safe. Basically, you, you know, in proper pool, you have to call your shot. If you're not going to intentionally not going to make a shot, then you just hit a ball, make the call safe. And they do that because they're both vying for position on the table, trying to not give the other one any space. You know, the gamesmanship of pool, in addition to just the cool trick shots, Mm -hmm. which this film doesn't have any of. And I think part of that is likely because, you know, they're trying to go with a more fast-paced thing. They're trying to accelerate the gameplay to feel a little bit you know, less rugged and thoughtful and a little bit more accelerated, which I think is kind of common of this time. You know, we're thinking about the 80s. I I think we're thinking about a little bit more of a push for Mm -hmm. fast-paced. Well, that's why you saw nothing but montages of the eight ball and the nine ball, the eight ball and the nine ball, over and over and over again. And montages in general, which there are a couple in the original, um... But it's also very of the time. It's mm-hmm. very 80s, like especially late 80s into the 90s, to have a series of montages, which the film falls back on very heavily, which 
might not be noticeable if you're watching this film in the context of the era in which it's released. To watch this as if you're going to go like a double feature is exceedingly noticeable because it's so not a part of the filmmaking style of the original. Yeah, yeah. Well, what's also what I just re- or thought to sorry, what I just noticed was um I was conflating the two movies in my head like they're both I'm like, "Oh, when uh when Tom Cruise met Lori <laughs> Piper at the at the cafe." Piper Laurie. Piper Laurie at the cafe that's not the same movie. Um Fuck, what was I going to say? What was I going to say? What was I going to say? Oh, I also noticed in the the first movie, it was just kind of just like, just slower and you got more of Paul Newman's story, whereas The Color of Money seemed to be strictly about pool for all the characters involved. Whereas in The Hustler, you got the, the building of the relationship between Piper Laurie and... Uh, Paul Newman and you got the dynamic between Paul Newman and Charlie whereas in the second movie it's really just like the three main people one way or another all surrounded by Poole whereas the first one seemed like it was you know Poole it it ended up like we we were introduced to Poole and it ended up circling back to Poole but there was it felt like there was more to it especially with the relationship building even between Piper Laurie Paul Newman and the the sleazeball guy Oh, George C. Scott? Yeah, George C. Scott Who as well. Who is so good in that fucking movie. Yeah. And that's the other thing. Like, where you're you're rooting against him the whole time because you know what a freaking slime ball he is. Because you see, like, behind the scenes how he, he treats Piper Laurie's character and all this stuff. I don't know that there's really, like, a character. Are we supposed to be rooting against so, Tom Cruise in The Color of Money? This is what I really want to get at, because this is, to me, the heart of what makes these two films so different, Mm -hmm. and why I think as a continuation of the world of the original, The Color of Money is not as successful as it could be, Hmm. because George C. Scott and Piper Laurie are essentially two representations of the consequences of this lifestyle. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, you either become this monster who cares not for for life, cares not for the lives of others. He, he has all the money in the world, and it means nothing to him. Yeah, he is chasing a fix. Mm-hmm. He is not trying to survive. It's power, exactly. Or you have the fate Piper Laurie has, which is this life kills you. Yeah. And I kept waiting for there to be some representation of the consequences of Tom Cruise's actions. And there just never are. And part of that you can say is because Paul Newman, and we have to talk about Paul Newman's character since he is the bridge between these two films. Yeah. But Paul, you could say it's because Paul Newman does maybe a good job as a mentor preventing him from getting, preventing Tom Cruise from getting into too much trouble in his life or or teaching lessons to Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio or that he is only Tom Cruise has only begun going down this road so there's not enough time to see what ha- will befall him but regardless yeah there is no consequence to the actions of Tom to Tom Cruise becoming a hustler he faces no adversity in this film Absolutely none. He starts the movie 
as the best pool player we're going to see the whole movie. He ends the movie the best pool player we've seen the whole movie. His only issue is he hates losing. Mm-hmm. And then he gets better at it to make more money. Yeah. He faces no issue the entire film. Yeah, his only character trait is a bad attitude, really. No, that's not (laughs) even... His his quote-unquote bad attitude is being too nice of a guy. Like, Paul Newman has to tell him, just because that dude has, like, a hole in his throat from smoking cigarettes doesn't mean he's not going to punch you in the face if you give him the chance. Be more of a dick. Like, that's Tom Cruise's issue. You're too nice. Yeah. It's, for a film about being essentially part of the underbelly of society, and I don't say that to be overly judgmental, it's just you're operating out of societal norms, and you're probably not declaring all this income on your taxes. You're essentially (laughs) in the underbelly. It's weird to have that character be morally upstanding in such a way that does not condemn the lifestyle Again, not because the lifestyle needs to be condemned, but because there are there are inherent drawbacks with living your life in that way, as represented by the rampant alcoholism and abuse in the first one. And you know, now that we're talking about it, um, Paul Newman is super manipulative. Yes. And, but he also, and I guess because of that, he doesn't demonstrate or even fill Tom Cruise in on his life of like the the trials and tribulations of being a hustler. Like like you're saying, like the consequences. That's not illustrated for him at all. Well, and I think it's easy to say because there's never a point where that has to be addressed. Mm-hmm. It feels like there should have been a scene where, I don't know, Mary Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio is like in some kind of danger or almost loses her life in some horrible way. Mm. And Paul Newman sits down Tom Cruise and tells him the story of what happened between him and Piper Laurie and with George C. Scott, you know, not necessarily quite literally going to flashback. And I I get what this is the part of the problem with a film that is too much a standalone film as a sequel. Mm. They have avoided any need to reference the original, which presents this exact issue, which is that there's a wealth of knowledge that Paul Newman accumulated from the events of the original up to where we are today in the film that have to be disregarded if you don't want to make the original uh, must-watch. If you don't want it to be... in, like You need to have seen it. Yeah. To that end, what do you think Paul Newman's motivation is for putting himself back into this life? Because is it is it a revenge story? Is it or, or like a redemption story? Because he's when we meet him, he seems to be doing all right. This is my other complaint with the movie. So let's get into Paul Newman's character then. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when we leave him at the hustler. Right. Piper Laurie, six feet under. Babe. <laughs> and he he makes his money back from Minnesota Fats, right? He he twists a knife on George C. Scott, who lets him go because yeah. George C. Scott has the ability to recognize that he fucking ruined Paul Newman's life. And our understanding of when we meet him in nineteen eighty six in the color of money, he is now selling cheap booze 
that you can put in the bottle of good booze. Like he he's a sleazy he's a sleaze ball. He never stopped being a hustler. Yeah. He just stopped doing it within the confines of a pool hall, or at least explicitly. He now has taken on a George C. Scott style role where he bankrolls younger guys, but it doesn't take it very seriously, in part one would assume, because he had so much to learn his lesson from the original. Trading one vice for another, really, but but not incapable, but incapable, I should say, of leaving it all behind. Mm. Enter Tom Cruise. He's so fucking good. Yeah. And to such a degree that he hasn't seen in years, mm-hmm. and it reinvigorates his want to get back into the game of pool. But the, not the game of pool, like the gambling side So of it. this is what I don't understand. Because when he starts giving Tom Cruise and Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio kind of like, like guiding them, the first read of all of his actions should be, this is a setup. This is a hustle. He's having them do X, Y, and Z. He's clearly being manipulative, right? He's he's not giving each of them full information to, one would assume, help with the hustle immediately at hand, but maybe for, they're there to be a bigger play. He's letting Tom Cruise fuck himself over at this pool hall against, uh, in Chalky's pool hall. Um, maybe that's because he has a plan for what's going to happen in, in, in Atlantic City. And then all of it's like, no. It, it kind of throws all of it away, so yeah. much so to the point that the first hour of the the first two acts of the film are almost pointless. Well, at the end, that's what I didn't understand. At the end, Tom Cruise is like, "You used me," and Paul Newman's like, "Yeah, I did." How? I don't. I don't really know. Because was it, was the idea? Because you, if you follow the movie you're led to believe that Paul Newman was not going to play in Atlantic City. He was just going to hustle or like be the, the, the backing to Tom Cruise's efforts in Atlantic City. And so I just don't understand... Because, all right, well, let's identify that. Where did that transition happen? It was like when he... Because also what was interesting is, you know... Tom Cruise kind of, kind of blindly trusts Fast Eddie Felsen without really understanding who he is and has never seen him play pool up until, you know, like like he even gives Tom Cruise his fancy Bubba Baloo stick. What yeah. is it called? Something uh, like that. Some oh, German. Don't, I don't remember. Um, his fancy pool bull, stick. Bull, 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 yes. yes. Bob, his Bob Balaban stick. <laughs> His Bulban cube stick. Which, like, four people are going to get. Oh, okay. Um, his, he gives him his stick and, like... Bulabushka. Bulabushka, yeah. He gives Tom Cruise this Bulabushka stick, but, like, Tom Cruise has still never seen Paul Newman pick up a stick until he then takes it back and starts playing. He goes out to, to Chalkies, I think, and I plays and then gets hustled himself. And then there's a huge change where he leaves Tom Cruise. Like, was that the plan all along? We see, at, at that turn, one would have to assume, I have a greater plan that I am laying. This is such a gigantic shift in the direction of the film, in the direction of the character. Like, is it unthinkable that Paul Newman 
felt the sting of competition and felt the sting of losing. And, you know, wanted to feel like he was the best again in this kind of binary way that Tom Cruise operates, which is just, I need to be good. All losing is bad, irrespective of fortunes be to be gained. All winning is good, irrespective of fortunes to be lost. And maybe Paul Newman's missing out on some of that, having been felt like he was... But, that, but it, it it's so out of character for someone that we have seen be the navigator of this film and to have, you know, had the life experiences he had in the previous film. So for it to not pay off that way, like he genuinely just goes to Atlantic City to try to win the tournament is really quite a letdown. Yeah. It is an it, it is a movie about hustling that ends without a hustle. Well, which makes the final scene of the movie even more perplexing because at the end, Paul Newman still says, oh, well, I'll see you guys in Dallas. Or he says Houston or Dallas. You know, it's a whole cute scene between um, Mary Elizabeth and him. But so the idea at the end, we're, we're led to believe that they're still not working for each other, but somehow still against each other well and it, or what's the hustle and, and he's that, like that, 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 that to back. Me is 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 the difference between the the core difference between the hustler and the color of money is that one is a a binary 80s sports movie and the other one is a drama mm. one is a competition sports movie you're not going to beat me I'm going to beat you. <laughs> and the other one is I am wrestling my demons yeah. on this table. I am here because if I'm not here, I I did th- I wanted this so bad. I killed the only woman I yeah. love from sheer indifference to her well-being and you can fucking kill me here, but I am going to take down Fats Minnesota Fats. Like, there's no nuance to the game of pool and what it represents in this follow-up. Well, in the first movie, he, Paul Newman's character, wins and is left, but leaves defeated, just heartbroken, crushed. And in the second film, he loses, but leaves invigorated and pumped for the next uh well he loses the sorry he forfeits the tournament i guess he wins against the I, we're led to believe that he wins against tom cruise oh i don't think we're led to believe i think it's intentionally left opaque okay well either way you you i guess what i first said still stands he loses the tournament but yes. he feels he's got his sting back you know he's got his groove back <laughs> I just made that up. I don't know if that's oh, a phrase. Oh, you did not just make that up. Got his group back? <laughs> no, no, no. I said he's got his sting back. I don't know if oh, that's a phrase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and then I not. corrected. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Um, so, it, like, even the how we're left to feel at the end of the movie, like, at the end of The Color of Money, are you rooting for Paul Newman? But, and again, this is what I can't shake out. What is the point of... Because up until the third act turn, up until... 
Forrest Whitaker making a wonderful appearance. The cast of this movie is so good. Up until his appearance and the hustle that ensues, it's a very fine movie. It really is. There's, There's obviously a lessening of the stakes. Paul Newman's thumbs get broken in the first one. Nothing bad happens to Tom Cruise. He gets kind of bloodied a little bit in what is only a surface level way and is immediately fine, whereas Paul Newman was sidelined for what must have been months. Well, sorry to interrupt. I I just made the connection of, correct me if I'm wrong, in the first movie, it turns out that George C. Scott was actually the one who who made those guys break Paul Newman's thumbs? I'm not sure it it that is also well, left a little bit in with that crap left opaque. I I think the more general idea is that George C. Scott runs the pool hall scene here and is a seedy person in of his own right and it was it was on site for Paul Newman. I think is what it really was. Right, and so in the yeah, in so the, yes, I th- long way to say yes. Okay, well, in the color of money, then the reason, you know, Tom Cruise gets beat up at the hands of Paul Newman, who then you know comes into to well at the hands of whole sorry in throat sorry man. sorry at the how would you fucking phrase that <laughs> Paul Tom, Tom Cruise gets beat up by. Pool hall toughs because Paul Newman puts him in a position to get beat up by pool hall toughs. Okay, yeah. So it's like you know, Paul Newman was so in the in the hustler was distraught and just so broken based on what um fucking George C. Scott did to him or or somehow helped cause. Um and because of that, that big conflict had a little bit of character development and formed a relationship, blah, 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 with Piper Laurie. In The Color of Money, he gets beat up. Tom Cruise gets beat up. But it was just like, I don't even understand what lesson it was meant to teach him. I was about, oh, I'm. we are on the same page here. So I was about to say, by not having the ending be a big hustle... Like, to not have it have a The Sting-like ending, it defeats what one would think is the purpose of the film, which is, hey, Tom Cruise, don't trust anybody. Like, Paul Newman has a line to marry Elizabeth Master Antonio in the beginning, where he's like, I'll give you $500 a rack to play Tom Cruise. And Mary Elizabeth's like, no. And Paul Newman's like, that's the right decision. I'm an unknown. I shouldn't be the unknown. He should be the unknown. And have that come back into play at the end of the movie by being like, you fucked up by trusting me. Yeah. And you can still give Newman moments of redemption and have him be like throw money at him and be like, now go get your own life started. Go back out on your own, whatever. Blah, blah, I got blah. what I needed from you. Yeah. Right. But still imparting something that makes having the old dog in this movie make any fucking sense. Yeah. And instead, it again, it just ends with this jocular, late 80s, masculine kind of like, let's, let's fucking go, dumbass. <laughs> like, like it, it, yeah. it, it, it's, it's such a letdown of an ending because the intrigue behind this film 
and its predecessor is not who would win in a fight, <laughs> Paul Newman or Tom Cruise. Yeah. It is what is the art of hustling here? What is this life about? What are the consequences? What is what is each character going to have to learn, adapt, and grow to come through? Even irrespective of the fact that this is a sequel, yeah, it doesn't work as a standalone for that reason. Like it, it almost tried so hard to be a standalone film that it missed having to actually have a point. Well, you even see that represented. Like it, every character get ends up getting exactly what they want in the end. Like even Paul Newman. You know, he, what I would have thought would have been a more interesting story is like, you know, he doesn't end up getting the girl. And then at the end, he realizes like, I did it again, didn't, or like, you know, he didn't have an, so he grew in that way from the first movie. Like he didn't have an indifference to this woman. He really apparently loved this woman, but like at the end, he still gets the girl. He still gets money. He still, you know, now he gets to play pool. And in the end, Tom Cruise and Mary Elizabeth, their relationship is fully intact and they have money, and now they know how to hustle. It's like, where's the conflict in any of this? It is It is weird for a film like this to have a happy ending. That is, yeah. Which is essentially what it is. Everybody gets what they want. Paul Newman gets the girl that mm-hmm. he, it, you know, he, he realizes that the other things are important. Because that's the other kind of funny thing about his character from film one to film two. At the in the act two of the hustler, you know, he's having that conversation in Piper, Piper Laurie's apartment with Charlie and where he's trying to suss out Charlie's true intentions behind trying to get Paul Newman back out on the road. And Paul Newman's like, you just want to use me so that you can go back home to Oakland and open up your own pool hall. And Charlie's like, yeah, I'm old. Like, I do want that. And you see Paul Newman in a bar with pool tables, yeah, he's hawking liquor, but it almost feels like, for a brief moment, he did it. Yeah. He took Charlie's advice, and this is what he does now, Mm -hmm. because he realized Charlie was right the whole time. Yeah. No. He doesn't. And to that effect, I, I, I don't get necessarily why how his character eventually comes to the realization of, I don't know, value. Because it almost, the value of others, the the value of things greater than money and greater than pool. Because if that lesson wasn't learned 25 years ago when you got your thumbs broken and your woman killed, why would Tom Cruise not taking your advice lead for you to have that level of realization. Which is, again, why I would say this film tried so hard to be the standalone picture that it wanted to be. It completely missed the mark of functioning as a film. There's a lot of ineffective beats that take place in the third act, seemingly because they forgot they had to wrap it up. Well, you you had to have known it wasn't when... when um when Paul Newman beats Tom Cruise at the tournament, you know, for a brief moment, you're like, I guess that's it. Like, is that, it can't be it. Cause there's like 20 minutes left <laughs> of this movie, yeah, but yeah. like, you know, where is this going to go? And it's like, at that moment, 
Paul Newman's character seems to be perfectly content. He's happy. He's like, he's he has like, a little I finally, scream outside. Right. Yeah. He's like, I, I finally did it. And then Tom Cruise and, and Mary Elizabeth come in and they're like, oh man, we this is what we did. Blah, blah, blah. We thought you'd appreciate it. And I think they were being genuine. Genuinely, genuinely. I think they were being genuine in saying like, you taught us. Like, we're, here's your money. Like, I don't think they were being dicks about it. You know what the real ending should have been? What's up? It should have been Tom Cruise having Paul Newman's final lines. Paul Newman should be the new Minnesota Fats that Tom Cruise is chasing around. Paul Newman should be like, I don't, I'm not going to hustle anymore. I'm going to, I, you've made me love pool again. So I'm going to go to the competitions. I'm going to collect my reward money. And then I'm going to go home and fuck my wife. Right. <laughs> like, that's it. And then Tom Cruise is, is going to be like, all right, well, then I'll see you in Dallas. And if not Dallas, I'll see you in New Orleans. And if not then, I'll see you at the next thing, right? Like, I have to chase you yeah. down. Yeah, The same way that Paul yes. Newman chased down Minnesota Fats yeah. at, back at the end of the original. And, I'm totally with you. And, and there's so many beats that you can tie back to the original that didn't happen that you almost wonder if they avoid for that reason. Like, one of my first notes is, is Paul Newman the new George C. Scott? Yeah. Because, again, you'd expect this kind of invisible hand um, manipulative behavior from a George C. Scott character, which right. there was in the predecessor film to this, mm-hmm. that it almost felt like they wanted to subvert to have it be its own film in a certain respect and made the Paul Newman winning the competition his actual intention instead of it being some type of setup. And same thing for 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 Cruz not having those final lines that Newman actually has, which like, dude, you're in the context of this film, like late 60s or some shit like that. You're going to start traveling around. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Especially because I love the idea of, you know, Paul Newman becoming the thing he hated the most in the first. I love that idea. Run with it. They didn't commit to it. You know, because he didn't turn into all the way that George C. Scott character. And he didn't become Minnesota Fats. Like either, either one of which I think would have been really interesting. Because you yeah. could say, okay, so he's going to become Minnesota Fats. Minnesota Fats, who we never see do anything wrong. Yeah. Minnesota Fats, who is just like, like a MacGuffin. Like, I just have to go get it. Yeah. You know, like, I, it doesn't matter. He's not doing, he does nothing he says nothing for essentially, for, for all intents and purposes, Minnesota Fats is a mannequin that plays pool and wears nice suits. Mm-hmm. He has like almost no lines, no yeah. personality, is just there to be the object of desire and the thing needing to be conquered. Yeah. And to that end, if you didn't want to give Paul Newman the dark ending where he becomes George C. Scott, perfectly fine to have him be the Minnesota Fats character who just wears nice suits Shows up to the same pool hall every day at 8 p.m., throws some money around, has a nice time, goes home. Yeah. And every now and then has to, to, to tackle a rough and tumble newcomer. But does it like cool, calm, and collected as opposed because to that's the, lesson. the I'm back, like kind of like fired up ending? Um, so I don't know. Overall, and. At the beginning of this podcast, I said I enjoyed this movie. I did. I thoroughly did. I was captivated the entire time. But, you know, the point of this 
podcast is to give our overall thoughts, but then to like to analyze it um, and go a little bit deeper. Overall, I think it was a very enjoyable movie. Um, oh, absolutely! Like this is still a perfectly good movie. Yeah. Um, this is it. It's just like my last note is that it is a more conventional sports story because mm. really, at the end of the day, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And honestly, like the, I was so looking forward to the color of money because of how impactful the the hustler was i thought it was such a like a well done story where um but one of the things i forgot to mention um because i was surprised do you remember when i when i turned to you when piper laurie was like in her lingerie in george keith scott's room and i was like fuck man like why her why why like damn it why did she do it and um and then she fucking kills herself which i was like what in the world um but again that's like the the ultimate fate of her so when it seemed as if mary elizabeth was trying to seduce paul newman in some way i did appreciate him being like don't you try to fucking do that to me like this is about something something bigger than that I don't know. He was ultimately hustling her, I guess, but like... No, no, no. He was being... I, I think that was genuinely a, a moment of reflection from his his story with Piper Laurie in the, in, in the first movie, which is essentially to say, like, this is dangerous behavior. Yeah, yeah. Like, not to say that you can't take care of yourself, not to say that you don't have some idea what you're doing, blah, 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 but this is dangerous and we he knows that because of how things went down with Piper Laurie's character, which, again, is confusing because why make that your one kind of emotional beat yeah. reference to the original film? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then really not have it come up ever again. Well, it's just one more quick point. Like, you see the way that Mary Elizabeth's character looks at Paul Newman the entire movie and that... I don't know. There just seems to be like a little bit of a power dynamic there. And also like just admiration. Like I genuinely think that. Which is why it's the more interesting storyline in my opinion. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because at first I'm like, you know, like, oh, she she appears to be one of those girls that like she knows she can get what she wants. She's going to try the Paul Newman. Like I think it genuinely stems out of a, I see what a complete dumbass Tom Cruise is. I know I'm the smarter one here. You are the enticing person, this mysterious man who has all this knowledge and, and and like I'm willing to listen. I almost feel like she's I don't know. Again, that that relationship and that dynamic is so much more interesting than him and Tom Cruise. Which it's the entire again, movie. And I, I hate to just keep harping on it, which is what makes the ending so fucking disappointing because she seems Mary Elizabeth's character seems to be picking up on what Paul Newman's putting down so readily. Yeah. That for her to see him get took by Forrest Whitaker would have you believe, like, this is a setup. Like, she has been such a good student and is picking up on this stuff so well. Cruz isn't going to get it. Cruz hasn't gotten the point of losing in the first place. He is bag of hammers stupid Mm -hmm. when it comes to the intricacies of this. But he lets Master Antonio see him struggle and lose against Whitaker as well. 
and like he gets worked up. It's it, it's so weird to not have it be a setup because he's like, first of all, he lets himself get out of control and loses to Forrest Whitaker in the first place to take all of his money. That's stupid. Yeah. He uh, angrily asks Forrest Whitaker, like, are you a hustler? And it's like, dude, you're telling me that these people are taking advice from you about hustling, but you can't spot a hustler working and got took? The only reason that makes sense is if it's a setup. Because otherwise, getting hustled in front of your protégés would also serve, to a point you made earlier of why trust this guy, as a reason not to take advice from this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Forrest Whitaker wasn't being sly. He was doing, like, the Hustle 101 handbook of, like, what a lucky shot. I don't know. It just fell in. And it's like, oh, my God. Well, and and I think that's supposed to allude to his alcoholism. Because the only reason that he got got in that situation was because he was drinking. Um, because he even says he was like, oh, I was, I was, I was boozed up, and I missed the the warning signs. Which, like you said, anyway, it'd be a setup. But really quick, back to Mary Elizabeth. In the end, Tom Cruise is like again, just kind of dumb, but like isn't getting the whole hustling thing of it, and it's like, you know, we have a relationship. You're a teacher. You're like a dad to me almost, and. He's really upset and is like, he gets angry. He's like, keep your fucking money. I don't want it. And Mary Elizabeth's character comes back and says, yeah, I'll take that money. Thank you. Like, she's not dumb. And she's not being emotionally manipulated by anybody in this film. Even Paul Newman. Okay. That's that's all I have to say about her. <laughs> no, I, I understand. I mean, do you think that there's room for a film that follows this one? Should there have been the drive or inclination to make it there are no sequels mm-hmm. to this but um would you do you think there's room for one that would contribute something meaningful here not unless it was mary elizabeth master giacomo's story what's her fucking name master antonio mastro antonio master giacomo is mastra no 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 antonio. no 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 that other last name that i just said as a girl i played basketball with in high oh, school gotcha. hey carly if you're listening anyway she's not um <laughs> no <laughs> our friends probably won't listen to this <laughs> that's fair yeah. um yeah so i think if it were her story i, th- I think it'd be far interest more interesting but it would be like you know she obviously left tom cruise and maybe, you know, Paul Newman is also kind of gone. It, like, I would like to see her story. Because a female the hustler, starts... that's a fucking good movie to me. Well, that's what she is. Which, again, is one of the things I thought the film would make the distinction of. Which is that the hustler doesn't have to be the one playing. Yeah. You know, and they engage in a hustle or two that shows the parts that other people play in the act of hustling. And... Uh, Again, I could harp on how disappointing it is to lose that, to, to not have that side of it, um, to not have that payoff all fucking day. So let let's move on. All right. The film was a financial success, so there was certainly, I guess, reason to believe that a sequel to this could have been profitable. The film had a, a budget of about fourteen point five million dollars, and it grossed worldwide a little bit over fifty two million. Um. This went on to be Paul Newman's only Oscar win of his career. Wow. This, this color money? So it is viewed as being his 
makeup award. Much like Scent of a Woman is viewed as Al Pacino's makeup award uh, because it's the only Oscar Al Pacino ever won, which, Mm. you know, when you look back at his filmography in films like both The the Godfathers, uh, Dog Day Afternoon, Scarface, um, like he, he, you know, he was a seminal actor of his time. So, yeah. "Scent of a Woman" was viewed as a makeup, much as this is viewed as one. As Paul Newman's uh, legacy at this point is one of Hollywood's most impactful leading men, especially in that '50s and '60s era time frame, when he was nominated for a, I mean, a slew of of awards at this point in time, in, including The Hustler. Mm. Uh, the film was nominated for several other Academy Awards. Uh, Best Actress in a Supporting Role for Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio. This would be her only nomination for her career. Uh, Best Writing, screenplay based on material from another medium, for Richard Price. And Best Art Direction, Set Direction for Boris Levon and uh, Karen O'Hara. It's just funny, when you said Art Direction, I was like, just a bunch of fucking pool tables. It's more than that. I know it's more than that. But. Yeah. Um. Oh, actually, so... Yeah, I, I guess we'll we'll end with one of the the standard questions for this film. Does it work as a standalone picture? Obviously, as was detailed in the introduction, and as we've talked a little bit about over the course of this discussion, that was the attempt from Scorsese. But mm-hmm. do you uh, do you think it was successful in that venture? Yeah, I do because you don't get any real context into Paul Newman's story, and it's. You know, it's seemingly focused around Tom Cruise and this and this journey in some way. So I I think that I think that if you didn't see the hustler, you wouldn't be as disappointed. Because if you know, in this area, you're like, oh, this this sports fast paced, you know, '80s film like I, with Tom Cruise and Paul Newman. Of course, I'm in. Like I I think that without that added knowledge of the hustler you're you're not really let down in the same way so i think it works as a standalone i i think it does as well I, the performances in this movie are all wonderful i mean god paul newman he has got charisma out the fucking ass i mean just him sitting there in half those scenes paul newman in this movie is essentially just like i'm showing up like i'm going to italy right after we're done shooting and I'm going to say whatever I kind of want to, and it's going to be the best thing you fuckers record all day. <laughs> and you know what? It is. He is effortlessly charming. Yeah. Tom Cruise is uh, vivacious here. Uh, I think Mary Elizabeth and Master Antonio delivers um, the better of the performances between the, the two young stars. She obviously got an Oscar nomination right. for that. Uh, her character was lovingly portrayed with a lot of really great depth. Um Part of the legacy of this film is that it shares an aspect of the legacy of the original. This also led to an increase in the revitalization of pool halls. It became a, a, there was a noticeable uptick in sales of uh, pool tables and, and pool hall attendance after this film, especially since this film came out at a point in time when there was uh, coin-operated pool tables, which was yeah. not the case for the original. So it was actually even more profitable in helping sustain the pool hall industry. Mm. So that is uh, part of the shared legacy of, of this Hustler sequel. Any final thoughts before we officially wrap up for the day? No, I think this was a really fun one. Thanks yeah. for, uh, for suggesting it. I'm excited to see what we do next. Same here. <laughs> well, all right. Thank you all for uh, tuning in. 
We'll see you guys all next time. Bye.